welcome to a new episode of the podcast. With me today, I've got Gus, and we're talking all about Futari. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm hyped for my GDQ. It's going to go go good, I hope. Awesome. Yeah, and you're also just coming off your experience at Stunfest. Yep. Uh, that, was, that was pretty cool. I was nervous as hell, but it worked out fine. So I thought we could begin by talking about what got you into shmups in the first place. Well, I started out back in 2010 playing uh, Don Really? Yeah. So what were you playing Dodonpachi on, MAME? Or how were you introduced to Dodonpachi? Well, I actually started out playing on the playing the, the Wii version. I played it on the Wii. Oh, okay. Like the Wii PlayStation emulator. And uh, I got the, the PlayStation version of Dodonpachi working on the Wii. That's <laughs> awesome. I've done that myself. You did that too? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I tried it, the game like ran, ran at like half speed, but, but it was still really fun. <laughs> kind of made me want to check it out on me so what motivated you to try and play on the wii how did you get to that point of wanting to emulate it on the wii and then play dodonpachi well i was trying out all kinds of old retro games at the time oh okay like back then 2010 i was a big nintendo fan but uh i wasn't really too thrilled with their output since they were really like targeting a lot of casual people like they had that wii fit going on so yeah, I figured out yeah. I would like to install Homebrew on my Wii. I would kind of reach back into that, into that library that I had access to with emulators. That's awesome. Yeah, I did that. I did the same thing myself with the Wii. Because like you said, yeah. a lot of the main releases on that console were pretty lacking as far as interesting gameplay experiences, I feel. Yeah, it's got some good games, though, in retrospect. That's true. Yeah, it just didn't really like have the same uh, quantity, I guess, as like the Xbox 360. Definitely. So what stood out to you about Dodonpachi when you're going through all these old games on your Wii? Like I tried out some older games before Dodonpachi, like Gradius, and I wasn't really all that into him, but like Dodonpachi is just totally crap. Yeah. Like the big thing was like the pacing. Like there was never a dull moment at all. You always had stuff coming at you from all directions. You know, you had all those bullets. You had that beautiful pixel art. Yeah, that, that rock soundtrack, you know, everything about it, I just love. Yeah, that's funny, because my first shmup, the shmup that really grabbed me, was also Dodonpachi, so it must have that effect on players. I did the same I thing. I didn't really like, go as far with it as you're going with it. I mean, it's awesome. You got that two-all, you're working on the chain routes. Yep. <laughs> Grinding away, dude. I stopped playing when I got the one-all. Yeah, I didn't know that I was going to keep playing it. When I was uh, when I first got my one all, I was like, okay, I think I'm done with this game, but I just kept coming back to it for whatever reason. How are you doing with that chaining? I feel like I'm picking it up pretty well, actually. I talked to some people about this. I felt like a lot of my experience doing really strict comboing and stuff in a bunch of fighting games kind of helped me with understand kind of linking and chaining and all those the strategies that you do. So I I don't think a lot of shmup players. Totally buy that, but that's how I feel anyway. Yeah, well, my, my fighting game experience is with Smash, where, you know, there, there's not really any real combos to worry about. Right. Yeah. I'm not really too into the style of fighting game where, like, you got combos or Smash style. So maybe that's the reason why the whole chaining with uh, DDP thing didn't really grab me. Yeah, I feel like there's some similarities with how you can adjust when you do your links and combos, kind of like in fighting games. 
I've actually been really enjoying it. I'm actually probably going to stream some after we record. <laughs> yeah. So you played DDP on the Wii, and uh, after a while, how did you find Fatari exactly? That the hardest video game boss ever beat. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know it was that old. I remember it being pretty old, but I didn't know it went back that far. Yeah, it was uploaded back in 2007. Wow. I guess the video quality makes more sense now. Yeah. So you saw that video and you're like, okay, I could do this. Or what, what exactly was your thought when you were watching that video? Well, at first, like it was like everybody else, man, this is way too hard. I can never beat this. But then I looked in the description. He had a link to uh, a guy no missing the fight in God mode. Back then, I didn't know the difference between God mode and Ultra mode. So I just thought it was the same fight. Oh, I see. Yeah, but like I watched that that guy no missing in God mode. I thought, wow, this guy's awesome. I wish I could do this someday. I got to play this game and see and play it, get on this guy's level. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you have a 360 at the time, or was that the reason you grabbed a 360? Yeah, that's the reason I got a 360. So what were your early days playing Futari like? Well, I think I kind of documented them on, on the Schmups form. I started out with just kind of getting basic clears, and then I, then I started focusing on God mode. And... I eventually like worked my way up to like four billion in God mode. And I started checking out Ultra because there was another guy uh, submitting Ultra scores on the form called Max Multiplier. I kind of wanted to like uh, compete with him a little bit, and I got two billion Ultra. Do you remember what year this was? This was 2011. Okay. Yeah, I started playing Ultra mode back in like July 2011, I think. You can find my uh, scores that I submitted. You know, on a cave STG. Oh, nice. Yeah, I started out actually as a cave STG guy. And then as the activity kind of tapered off, uh, I switched over to Smup's Farm. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I've been on cave STG a few times and it just seems kind of like a like a ghost town. Was it more popular back then? Yeah, I used to get a lot of really good discussion back then. That's interesting. Do you know why people stopped using the site or the forum or whatever? Mostly anyway. I'm not sure, really. I think like like a lot of the best players were sort of like switching over to IRC and not really using form forms a whole lot. Ah, uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So you started playing Futari in about 2010. It sounds like I mentioned it was a uh, 2011. Oh, okay, so Futari yeah. was in 2011. DDP was in 2010. Yeah, I started DDP in July 2010. I got the one all after like. Six months, and so in January 2011, I got a free 60, and I got Death Smiles. Nice. And yeah, I kind of want, wanted to like check that out. And then like back in, I think it was February or March, uh, I got my uh, my region free copy of a uh, Mushihime Sama Futari in the main. So when you first played Futari, how did you feel in comparison to Dodonpachi and Death Smiles? As far as was it immediately your favorite game, or did it take some time for it to grow on you? Yeah, it was immediately my, my favorite. I love the visual style a lot. I love the, the stage designs. Yeah, it was definitely the game for me compared to uh compared to a Death Smiles and Donopachi. I also really like the, the more simplistic scoring system in play compared to uh Death Smiles and Donopachi. Right. Yeah. Did you ever try before switching over to Futari doing the chaining and the max bonuses and you know the DDP scoring or were you just playing DDP for survival? 
and I was just playing for survival. I tried a little bit of cheating, and I just couldn't get into it. But like, I think part of that might be I was playing with a keyboard, and uh, I, I just can't do keyboard controls well. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, as soon as I got a 360, I was able to play with a 360 pad on Death Smiles. I noticed it felt like I had way more control over uh, my, my ship. Yeah. Before playing Shmups, had you done a lot of console gaming and used like Super Nintendo controllers and were controllers really familiar to you before then? Yeah, well, actually, before uh, I got into Shmups, my big gaming passion was this DS game called Lost Magic. It was this uh, kind of a precursor to what we're having now with MOBAs like LOL, but like it was on a DS and like you control a character with uh, with the touchscreen. Interesting. I've never heard of this. Yeah, it, it's really cool. The way it works is like you get a mage and they cast spells that like you draw on the touch screen. It's your hero in law. And then like you got some monsters also that you control in addition to your mage. And uh, and the goal of the game is like kill, kill the opponent's mage. It's an online game or, or was since uh, they shut down the Wi-Fi. Right. The Interesting. That's really cool. I, I've never even heard of that game. Yeah, it's great. Like, uh. If you Google it, like you can actually like still find like a history of the games multiplier dot wrote back in 2010. So, what was it about shmups that grabbed you that you know made you dedicate so much time to the genre in comparison to the other games you were playing? Well, I think what really grabbed me about it is like how there's no wait time for the action. Like as soon as the game uh, starts, you got all kinds of stuff going on. Right, and definitely. that's also why, why I like Lost Magic a lot. Before I played Lost Magic, I was playing these PC RTS games, and I didn't really like how at the start there was always this period where like you had to gather resources, build an army. But with Lost Magic, like you just you just start out with all these monsters, you start out with mage and cast spells, and so it kind of gives you like the juicy bits of RTS gaming without like uh, the setup. And that's also kind of how I feel about shmups. Like straight out of the gate, you got to dodge bullets, you got to kill enemies. It's not like uh, like Super Mario Brothers, where like you just kind of got the first level that's really easy, and then it kind of slowly slopes up. But shmups, you're just getting your ass beat right from the start. I feel the same way. That's interesting you played RTS before. Were you playing StarCraft or WarCraft or anything like that? I was playing this game called Empire Earth. Have you heard of it? Is it related to Age of Empires at all? No, it's not really related to Age of Empires, but I think it kind of looks similar. Okay. Like the premise like, you start out in the Stone Age, and then, like, you, as you gather resources, like, you can advance your civilization all the way up until, like, the Space Age. That's cool. I kind of think I know what you're talking about. Kind of like a cross between Age of Empires and Civilization, it sounds like. Yeah. I think it's on Steam, actually, right now. So, getting back to Futari, then. Futari, you liked the scoring system, you liked the visuals, the level design. Were you playing any other shmups at that time, or was it pretty much all Futari? Yeah, it was pretty much all Futari. Like, after I got Futari, I pretty much dropped everything else for like a year until like uh, I played Escaluda 2 for two months, and it was back to that Futari grind. Right. So yeah. was it a goal of yours, after seeing other people's scores and stuff, to try and go for the highest score in the game? Was that a goal, exactly? Well, I wasn't like, I'm going to get the world record as soon as I started playing I just kind of wanted to improve, but yeah, the, the leaderboards that were built into the 360 port, they were, those were a great source of motivation for me. It, it just felt great, like watching my score rise up on those leaderboards. Right. And so were those leaderboards mostly Western players or were there also Japanese players on the 360 at that time? 
Yeah, they were, they were mostly Japanese players, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. How long were you chasing those leaderboards at first? Well, that, this was when I started. Okay. Like 2011, 2012. That, that was really when I cared about leaderboards a lot. I was thinking, like, there's no way anyone can cheat on these leaderboards. They're foolproof. <laughs> then the big Xenon thing happened, and I kind of stopped caring about the leaderboards. Right. Yeah, the pause buffering. I actually talked about that in the last episode. Yeah. So what was your reaction to that? To, to the big Xenon thing? Yes. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like, like the stages of a denial, bargaining, anger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's yeah, funny. like you could see at first, like I was thinking, there's no way this replay could be cheated. It's on the leaderboards. And they'll still kind of laugh at me for that. But like they they think like, well, this is a girl. This guy, he's just defending her because of the girl. But that, that's really not the case. I was defending it because I was in denial that this system of leaderboards that like I placed so much stock into that it was possible to cheat on it. I just couldn't accept that at first. Does this sound familiar, Schmidt friends? Perhaps to another case of someone playing at And it's funny because when we were talking about pause buffering, I even now wasn't quite exactly sure the method other than whenever a, a difficult pattern would come up or a difficult section was about to come up, you'd pause and think about, okay, how am I going to get through this? Do you know exactly how it's accomplished, the pause buffering thing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just like constantly pausing and unpausing. Like with the turbo button or just manually? I think it's just manual. Yeah, like like fixing on the PM, like they actually uh, mentioned to me that, that they did like you use pauses at the uh, hard parts. Oh, okay. Yeah, but like they didn't like talk about like exploiting it like constantly. But yeah, they, they said, yo, yeah, I paused a little bit. You know, is that okay? <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> kind of underplay it, huh? Yeah, they were underplaying it, but they told they told enough that I, I kind of get a, have an idea. We're sorry, you have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. If you feel you have reached this recording in error, please check the number and try your call again. One question I wanted to talk to you about with regards to Futari's after you started Futari, did you? try original Mushi very long after? Or how long was it between playing Futari and trying the original? Well, the first time I tried the original Mushi was when I went to Japan back in uh, 2011. And uh, Cave had like just came out with uh, Mushi 1.5 Matsuri. Okay. Yeah, and I dug that a lot. Like the original mode. I, I didn't really touch the Maniac in Ultra mode as much. But like the original like I wasn't really good with an arcade stick, so like just trying to clear the the basic original mode in that was a decent challenge for me. And then like I also played the original Max, and that was pretty fun as well. It was just like uh, the the Futari Black Label original without the whole counter switching. Have you ever had much interest in playing the original Mushi for score, other than those arranged modes, or what are your thoughts on the original scoring system compared to Futari's? You mean like just vanilla Mushi and not not 1.5 Mushi? Yeah, I'm not I'm not really too interested in like playing the the original like Beyond a Clear. There, there really is no score system beyond survival. Right? Is there? It's mostly just kind of no missing, and and I guess I don't really know what else besides that actually. Yeah, and I heard I've heard it's kind of weird, and there's some weird stuff you do with Turbo and 
auto shot or something. I tried it a little bit, but I'm still a little unfamiliar with the nuances of what makes that scoring system as broken as it is. Well, it's broken in, in Maniac and Ultra, isn't it? I mean, original, like, it's exactly the kind of game that they wanted. A game with no scoring system where it's just about, like, dodging and shooting. I heard that they said that in some kind of interview, that the scoring system to all this was just kind of an afterthought. Interesting. I see. I didn't even know that. That kind of makes sense, though. Yeah. There was the greatest shmups of all time, and I've noticed just going through the list over the years, that seems to be consistently the top four shmups listed as people's favorites or people's feel are the best are DOJ, Katsui, Garega, and Futari. So I thought it'd be interesting to get your perspective on how you think Futari stacks up to those other games and uh, what do you think is really good about the game compared to them and what do you think its biggest weaknesses are? Well, I think the first thing that grabs people is the aesthetics. Like, it seems that the top games on those lists, the aesthetics are really important. Who knows how Garega works, scoring-wise, but, like, anybody can kind of appreciate that the unique visual style of the game and, and all that beautiful pixel art going on. Very true. So, yeah, I think that's a big factor in Futari, since it is a beautiful, colorful game. It, it's got a unique theme to it. Yeah, it's kind of unlike those, those military shooters. Right, definitely. It's not, it doesn't really look like go overboard with like the cuteness, like something like Toho. It kind of turn off some of the fans of more ha- of these hardcore military shooters. So it's sort of a, it appeals to a wide range of people. Definitely. With its visual style. That's a great comparison. It's kind of the middle ground between a cave aesthetic and a Toho aesthetic, right? Where both fans yeah. of both can kind of get into it. Yeah. It's uh, it's design wise. It also kind of reaches out to a wide audience, since like you just have the original mode that appeals to, like novices. You got maniac for like middle middle of the road people who kind of wanna want a nice scoring game, and then you got ultra for people who are just masking. Yes. <laughs> How long was it before you tried ultra mode? I think you said a year. How long was it before? Did you go through the difficulties like original maniac ultra, or how did that work exactly for you? Yeah, started out with original, then Maniac, and uh, then, then Black Label God mode for a little bit. And uh, then I gave Ultra a shot. This was, I think, uh, I got the game in February 2011. And, and, I, and I started it, like, I think in, like, June 2011 was, like, the very first time I played Ultra. Holy and my crap. first score submission I think with Ultra was, was, like, July. So this was about four months, I guess. What was your reaction to your first few credits of Ultra Mode? Did you think the game is just impossible at that point? Yeah. Well, I actually just remembered when I got the game the same day, the first thing I did was load up uh, Ultra Mode in Practice Mode, the stage of five boss with infinite lives and infinite bombs to just kind of see what it was like. And that thing destroyed me. It was just really <laughs> discouraging. Like a, a four-month period. Or I didn't touch Ultra Mobius. I was was just scared. I could see that. It's like the first time I ever got the PS2 port of DOJ, I fired up Death Label just just to try it. And I was like, oh my god, (laughs) this is insane. Yeah, so so yeah, it was kind of rough. Even like just coming back at first. Like I really had to like push through it. it. It felt great. Like just being able to like clear the first stage without dying. So as someone who's played... Futari for so long 
What is your favorite aspect of the game, and what do you think is the thing about it that bothers you the most? Well, with Ultra Mode, what I dig is like the simplistic brutality. It's got all this, this, uh, these crazy stuff going on, but uh, it doesn't like really restrict the player too much with some sort of convoluted scoring system. Like, uh, it's very simple what to do in Futar. You just want to, like, get the big cancels, collect the gems as soon as they appear. Like, got that, that counter-switching thing, but, yeah, I don't really like the counter-switching. That would be my weakness, I, I guess. Okay. Yeah, the cool thing with having, like, switch your counter, that kind of that kind of takes away from just sort of the simplistic brutality. And, and the other thing is, I think it's a little bit broken. Like, you have those moments where, where like, uh, your, your counter's just, like, right before it's, it changes every 500 on the counter, you know? So, like, you got your counter at, like, 499 or 999, and, like, you can't, like, kill something without it just kind of changing automatically and uh, killing with the wrong counter. Those moments always really annoy me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even the best shmups always have a little bit of jankness going on with them. That's interesting. So, speaking of the counter system everything, how do you feel? I kind of have an idea, but I'm going to ask you anyway. How do you feel about the counter stop in 1.5? Oh man, I hate the counter stop. <laughs> so what was kind of your journey with that? Because I remember like a really long time ago, you got your first counter stop, right? When, when did you get your first counter stop? I think it was in January 2013. So you'd been playing the game about two and a half years, three years about? Yeah, it, it, took, me a, it took me a while. Like after I I, uh, I got my scores in Escaluda two, I, I kind of started ease my way back into Ultra. Just kind of a, a little bit of, of Ultra practice every day for like a few months, and uh, I, I got to clear like a few months later in uh, August. Yeah, that was something that I really wanted to do. So that was a big deal to kind of get that clear in August of 2012. Then I had to take a little bit of a break because uh, I had like college had started. A few weeks later, after I got the clear, I was still kind of practicing the game in my free time. So, uh, so like when I had a break from the college in December 2012, uh, I got right back on that grind, and uh, yeah, I made some pretty fast progress from uh, three billion that I had uh, before I started Escaluda two, all the way to the counter stop like a month later in January. Wow! In that month, was it just that you grinded? I'm guessing hundreds of hours, or was it that it just came to you quickly? Oh, it didn't come quickly. <laughs> I really did a lot of run grinds there. Yeah. Do you have any idea how much time it took you to get the clear, and then how much time it took you to get the counter stop in terms of hours played? Do you have any estimation of what that would, what that number would be? Uh, I, I have no idea. Actually, it doesn't really like track your hours. Yeah. Yeah, but I played it a lot. <laughs> Did you feel a lot of frustration or feel like, okay, what am I... Because I remember when I was doing my two-all grinds, there were definitely days where I'd sit down and do hours of attempts and get nowhere and just look at myself and be like, what am I doing? What? Why am I torturing myself like this? Did you ever have moments like that with the, the counter stop? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> so what were your resources how did you figure out how to do the counter stop? Was it it was the game that intuitive where you didn't really need to look too much up, or were you looking at super plays? How were you finding the information? The replays on the leaderboard were a huge help. Oh yeah, 
were there existing counter stops on the leaderboard at that time? Well, I think at the time, the only over counter stops were, were Piketty's and Enchanted Mirrors, and neither of them were clears. So, so yeah, since Thorn wasn't really like clear to game, I wasn't really too concerned about clearing it. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah. But you had already yeah. cleared it up to that point, right? Yeah. It was only like after I had already gotten the counter stopped, I was thinking, man, it, it feels kind of weird. I didn't even clear it. Some cave shmups are like that too. Dodonpachi is a little bit like that where, because uh, just the way the max system and the chaining system works. And uh-huh. so, yeah, it's just interesting to think about if a high score is as legitimate or feels as legitimate if it's not a clear as well, right? Yeah. Before uh, I, I got the counter stop, I was already kind of having some doubts like a few days before. So I actually kind of like wrote up this copy pasta. Okay, how, how am I going to feel if I, if, I, if I get this counter stop out clear? I just kind of wrote, wrote my thoughts down like a notepad. I put it away as like some sort of journal entry. <laughs> got to pretending like, okay, I just got to put, kind of putting myself in this mindset of, I guess got this counter stop, but it's not clear. How am I going to react? And then like I got the counter stop without a clear. And I thought, mm, let, let's, let's see how people are going to react if I post this on the farm. <laughs> so what were your thoughts exactly? How did you feel about getting the counter stop without the clear? Well, I posted them on the farm when I, when I submitted my score. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Did you have a lot of thoughts about it, or is it just like a few things that were bothering you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty extensive. Uh... Going back to when you're kind of going for the, those runs to get the counter stop, I remember when I was going for the two all, I actually, the week before or so, I would sit down and I would close my eyes and visualize me getting the clear. Like I'd visualize me beating Hibachi. Oh yeah. And I found that extremely useful for when I was actually in the moment playing Hibachi because I had visualized doing it. Did you do yeah. anything like that? Did you have any moments where you thought about getting the clear and kind of uh, preparing yourself mentally, or were you just grinding out runs? Well, well, like if you if you check that post, like that's also the post where where like posted the original Gus spell. You know that, that, that pace bin. Uh, have you have you read that one? Uh uh-uh. uh Yeah. Well, at the time that was that was kind of a that kind of became a meme. Oh, I see. Like, I was going, oh, man. You, you, 
if you haven't tried it, you just don't know how hard it is to uh, get these sort of scores. And uh, if you look at the publication date, like I actually published that on Pastebin like a, like a few days before I, I got my counter stop. So, uh, and uh, I, I wrote that because I kind of wanted to hype myself, keep the motivation going. Yeah. No, I definitely, yeah. I definitely can, can agree there. I had to, I kind of had to do the same thing with my two all. I kind of need to hype myself up a little bit. I need to talk to people about it and kind of get people interested in it. That way I have that motivation to spend hours and hours and hours playing this damn game. Yeah. So that was kind of your strategy as well as you tried to, you wrote those posts to kind of hype yourself up and get, get yourself that motivation to keep going. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of hesitant about posting it actually. I thought, man, maybe people can't handle this. <laughs> Yeah, and at first, actually, like I did get get some backlash, and, and I kind of regretted it. But I'm happy. Like now, uh, I've had some people kind of come to me and say, "Man, that, that ghost spell—that's that's a great source of motivation for me." Like, like Terska, the, the world record holder in Great Fairy Wars, he's got 25 hours in that game. And I, what do you do to keep your motivation up? And he told me, "I, I read the ghost spell." That's cool. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about this counterstop, right? Because the first time I ever heard about a counterstop in Shmups was actually Gawenge, not Futari. And uh -huh. yeah, so I was thinking about it because I have an interest in playing Gawenge as well. I was thinking about it theoretically because of the counterstop, right? Just on paper, if you get the counterstop, you could just end the credit right there, right? Because the game will no longer reward you for playing. So you could just stop playing right when you got it right i mean obviously that's stupid right <laughs> yeah right so were you feeling did you feel frustrated because you felt like there's this ceiling where no matter how much you try i mean someone else could just get a counter stop and two counter stops on paper look identical even though the runs could be totally different yeah well, well not at first like at first i was just happy to get it but, but yeah, as, as I kept going into the game deeper, that fault definitely kind of cre started creeping in at the back of my mind. But like, I was also kind of thinking like, like just watch the runs and uh, you'll, you'll see that there's clearly a difference between them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the hard part with a lot of shmups too is that, um, I mean, you put videos of all your runs, which is really cool. And a lot of Western yeah. players do, but there's a lot of runs out there that, there is no video, and it literally is just we're just numbers, right? So someone, if you had no videos and you had two counter stops next to each other, they are essentially identical. Yeah, and uh, that, that's a, that's definitely a problem. <laughs> yes, it is. So, when did you start looking into ideas for ways to get around the counter stop or to try and continue somehow to get the game to count your scoring? Well, uh, it was a it was a long time actually. Like back in uh, 2013, uh, I got a uh, I kept nagging Trap to like uh, make a version of of Futari without the uh, counter stop, and, and he did. But the problem was it was it was Mame, and uh, it, it required a specific build of Mame on on that was like only on Linux. He told me for really? some reason he wasn't able like port it over to Windows. That's interesting. I have no idea about this. So Trap actually made a ROM hack for you that uh, got rid of the counter stop. Yeah, but it only worked on, on Linux main for some reason. 
And just in my experience using Futari on MAME, I mean, the lag is absurd, right? <laughs> well, well, at the time that I asked him to do it, like, I was thinking, like, it wasn't going to be too long before we got it working properly in MAME. So I, I was kind of hyped just for that. But then the years went by, and it kind of became apparent that, like, the MAME devs weren't really interested in getting the games working properly. Right, exactly. It's still, it's still not really gone anywhere, right? I isn't even the slowdown settings. You have to use like blitter settings or something weird, right? Like the slowdown is not yeah. accurate. Well, the bigger problem for me even is, is the input lag. That too, definitely. It just feels totally wrong to me. I definitely agree there. I input lag drives me absolutely crazy. Yeah, I actually think that that's a much bigger problem than the, than the slowdown. Like, if you wanted to, like, SMC, he, he suggested to me, like, if, if you wanted to, right now, I could just, like, ha have some guy from India, like, programming a Lewis script to, like, change the blitter, to, like, customize the blitter, depending on what section of the game you're in. So you kind of get slowed down that, that sort of approximates the PCB or, or the 360 version. Right. That's a clever solution. Yeah, you, you could do that, but it's going to be much harder, I think, to get rid of the input lag. That's the big barrier for me rather than the slowdown. Definitely. And as someone who's spent probably more time than any that I can think of with input lag and testing input lag and trying all that out, yeah. I even have a, on the index the Futari. I think the lowest I ever could get Futari to run on Groovy Mame was four frames or lag or something like that, four and a half. It's it's on the wow. website, but... But the PCB and 360 versions run at two frames of input lag. That's their native input lag. So you're more than doubling it. Yeah, it feels awful. I, I didn't know that, actually, that uh, even the groovy main version was four frames. Like, yep. Uh, I, I was always kind of holding out some hope that maybe the groovy main version of it would be kind of decent in terms of that lag. But yeah, that's some bad news. Even the groovy it's just Groovy Mame will chop down out that extra frame over regular Mame, but it's still just the emulation itself. It's still laggy. There's just certain emulate. There's certain games in Mame that no matter what you do, they're just laggy. And uh, Futari and Grega, for example, are are examples of that. <laughs> Same with Mushi. Yeah. So. So what did you do after the? Uh, you know, trying to use the Linux build that Trap built you. Did you just kind of abandon that, or how did it go from there? Yeah, I, I kind of abandoned it uh, since, like, it was it was awesome that he got it running, but the game, the game ran like shit, so it didn't really matter a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And yeah, they kind of feel bad making him do that, and, and I wasn't even able to, like, really play it much. Yeah, that's really cool that he did that for you, because I'm I'm sure that was not an easy process by any means. It actually, he, he made it sound like it wasn't too bad. That's good. Like, when I asked him, like, earlier this year how he did it, uh, he told me, like, Mame just has really good debugging tools. He was able to use those and, and figure it out really fast. Nice. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, and, and like... He actually was able to like even like change up the score values for the items in the game to kind of test it out. Like he told me what he did was like he, he made everything in the, in the first stage worth a shitload. So he was oh. able to like <laughs> like like get to a counter scop and make sure that was working. That's really clever. That dude was a genius. Incredible. The ROM hacks he does and stuff are amazing. So from there, 
Were there any other steps before Xenia came out, or was it that was kind of the end before Xenia? No, no, this, this was a long journey. Okay, so what happened after that? Like, if you remember uh, back in 2014, I kind of retired for a little bit. You're weird how I retired in 2014, first of all? I remember that you uh, stopped playing Futari, but did you retire from shmups completely or just uh, Futari? Yeah, I retired completely. Like, like basically, uh, I was really, like, disillusioned because, like, back in, like, 2012, 2013, those were kind of great times where, like, I was, I was like, kind of chasing the leaderboards, just kind of watching replays on leaderboards. And my impression of the Japanese community was, like, everybody was open. And, uh, yeah, they were all, like, saying replays, all this stuff, because that's what I saw on the leaderboards. But, like, uh, then I met this player named Chubo, and uh, – he was kind of who inspired me. Like he put going beyond the counter stop and he was streaming and uh, I saw him and I kind of got in contact with him, but I guess we kind of, as our relationship kind of grew deeper, he started telling me you can't make replays of these tracks that I'm telling that I'm showing you. Yeah. I, at first I kind of went along with it, but like after a while it started really nagging at me that like, he wasn't going to let me share replays. So yeah, that led to me just kind of thinking, Along with the counter stop, just kind of thinking, man, why, why am I even doing this to myself? I can't share replays. Uh, I can't even like post my score because this counter stop. What's the point of continuing? And yeah, I just I just stopped there. But then, like late in 2015, Cave and Steam got announced, and uh, they, they they the first game they came out with was was Mushi One on the farm. Like they had Blackbird. He he was kind of a, an old regular, and they they picked him as to be their PR guy. He, he uh, I, I PM'd him asking, "Hey, this is awesome. Is there any shot of a Futari coming on 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 a Steam?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be on Steam, and they're probably gonna be fixing the counter stop because I also asked him, hey, if it's on Steam, they got fixed the counter stop.'" He said, "Yeah, it's gonna be. It, we're gonna fix all this stuff, and we got this game on Steam. Everything that we got on Steam, we're gonna be fixing the bugs here." Uh, I, I don't know if he said exactly that, but that's kind of what I got from his message. Yeah, those were the two specific things. That cave, that Futari was popular enough that it was going to be coming on Steam. They were going to be fixing the early counter stop up. And I actually posted that PM they sent me on Twitter. And uh, then, like, you know, the rest is history. They've on Steam was a huge disappointment. They never had a Futari on there, much less with no counter stop. So, uh, yeah, I had to start looking into alternative methods. That is interesting. I had no idea that about that it was planned for Steam. My guess is that the sales were just too low. That would be my guess, is that when they came out with Mushi and they came out with the Steam versions, they just weren't moving enough copies to to justify the dev time, probably. That would be my guess. I mean, my, my inclination is because, like, the slowdown, it's not working. It's broken in a lot of places on these games, so yeah. they're just not putting in the hours, but really, I have no idea. Maybe they are putting in the long hours, and you just didn't find that the return was worth it. Uh, I have no idea why they stopped coming out with games on Steam, really. Uh, but like, what I know is like the contract they signed with Dig uh, was just for like three games. So, oh, yeah, I guess interesting. kind of like wanted to like cover a, a wide variety of their properties. They kind of figured like, like Futari was a sequel. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't a big priority because they already came out with Mushi. Yeah, that was actually like what Blackboard told me. Like they wanted to kind of introduce people to Mushi first because it was the first game in the series. And then they kind of wanted to like give it some time to breathe there. So they kind of followed up with Death Smiles and, uh, 
and Daifukatsu. But yeah, I don't know why they didn't go beyond those free games. It could be like they just didn't think that the return was worth it. But like if it was me doing it, like my idea was no one cares about the first game and the Steelers are playing these games chronologically. They should have just came out with Futari first because that's the most popular game in the series. I definitely agree there. I feel like Futari is a better choice than the original Mushi for the Steam release. For one, because it's the better game. <laughs> and two, yeah, it looks and better. I feel that way with Daifukatsu as well. Like, who really cares about Daifukatsu? Everyone wants to play Side Eye Ocho. You know, like, when they were when they were announcing these games every time, like, people were still on when Side Eye Ocho. They never got it. Yeah. It would make a lot of sense as far as because SDOJ is uh, harder to get, right? And um, yeah. DFK isn't, but yeah, that is interesting. So you started playing Futari again in the thought that the Steam port would come out and the counter stop would be fixed on the Steam port. Is that right? Yeah, and I actually started like 1.01 because of that. Like my, my, my fault at first was I wasn't going to be playing 1.01 to this was kind of just kind of a game I was playing to de-rust a little bit and get myself into the groove before they came out with Futari 1.5 on Steam about the counter stuff. Interesting. It's interesting how that turned out then, because yeah, it never came out. And it was only it was only this year that good old Xenia offered the solution for the counter stop. Yeah, that, that was amazing. So I think it's funny. I, I want to kind of talk to you about this because I felt like me and you were both looking at Xenia at the same time with the same ideas because I remember before I was the person in the Shmup community that I was aware of who was paying attention to Xenia just because I had heard about it. And I was thinking, okay, this could be really interesting for a lot of different reasons. And so I was checking it out and I was really impressed. And then I was talking to some people about it, and uh, yeah, a lot of people were very skeptical of the idea of the counterstop being able to be solved with Xenia. And I was thinking, no, I think it could be done. Because people were thinking of it from the way of like reprogramming the ROMs and like reprogramming the ISO and like getting into the source code. And I was thinking like, well, there's probably just some cheap hacking type of way where you could just reset the score and then... Like a week or two later, you did that just that. So 
<laughs> it was really funny how that lined up. So do you want to kind of talk about how you figured out how you did that? Well, I, I've been keeping tabs on Xenia for a long time. Like if you, if you look up their, uh, their bug reports page, like you'll actually find an old post by me on there where I kind of talk about like uh, how the colors aren't working, like with that particular bill of Xenia, but how you can fix it by like going into the settings and put it on simplified draw. And that's somehow like it's the colors working on that particular build of Xenia. Like I was just kind of following development for a year. A year before, I, a year ago, I think, I uh, posted on my Twitter, hey, it's working fine on Xenia now, perfectly. Because like for a long time, like it was it was unplayable because like uh, half the screen would be blocked off from you. Yeah. But like yeah. This, this green graphic, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about there, right? Yes. Were you using the Vulcan build? Like at the time, I wasn't even paying attention to what build I was, I was using. I was just kind of like grabbing whatever was the latest build on their Discord. Yeah. I don't think the Direct 12 build came out till very recently. So you're probably using the Vulcan build, which is mostly for development and debugging rather than like playing. So uh-huh. that's probably why it had all these weird quirks and all this going on. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was that was pretty cool. Like just realizing that they get they finally got working like a year. And I was I was really hyped actually when I tweeted about. It. I was like, breaking news! It's working. I was really excited about it as well. But yeah, it, it was some time between like that and me finding out the counter stuff, how to how to like solve it, and, and like the determining thing in that was like I was at Stunfest actually, and like after Stunfest, I kind of like went on this two week trip with my my mom and. And my aunt, like, through Europe, and uh, I couldn't play Futari. So, uh, but I was always thinking in, in, my, in my mind about that interview I did afterwards. I mentioned Futari was working without Counterstop, man. I'd be so happy. I, I was thinking, man, I got to make that happen. So I, I was really motivated to, like, get it, get it working without the Counterstop after I came back from Europe. And, like, at first, I was, I was only the programmer for higher websites, looking for PowerPC people to help me out. And uh, yeah, that, that didn't really work out. Like for some reason, like no matter, like fa- like hundreds or thousands of bucks, like no one wanted to do it. I, I don't really know why, but yeah, I started like having to look up for alternative ways. And uh, I, I started talking to like SMC. Like he kind of got the ball rolling a little bit when uh, he suggested to me that that I should be looking at at the score value in uh, Cheat Engine. I don't remember if it was me or him who decided who, who suggested the Cheat Engine thing, but he definitely mentioned to me that uh, he, he was able to find a score value in MAME, and uh, so it, it shouldn't really like be too much of an issue to find it in Xenia. And at first, I actually couldn't really find it. But, but what I found out is like there's some certain settings in, in Cheat Engine that have to like, kind of mess with to be able to like, uh, see, see all the memory values if you're playing a game on an emulator. And uh, then I found the score value, and uh, I told SMC I was so excited about it, and... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why he didn't really answer me, but I start I poked around just a little bit more, and I found out that like uh, you could get that score value to like stop anything from writing to it if you just kind of like change around a, a setting. And uh, yeah, I found a counter stop like like an hour after that, and uh, I documented on on video on YouTube. It was so exciting! It was a great moment. Yeah, I remember when you first I saw that like when you first released it, I was like, wow, because like I said, I was in the exact same mindset as you. I was thinking, okay, there's probably a way to reset the score in Xenia or something. Or like, yeah, I, was, I felt like I was a little bit behind you, but 
was on the same wavelength. So I was really excited when you figured it out. I had no idea that you were looking into that. That's awesome. Yeah. My primary motivation was to play Futari. And so yeah. I, I got that running. I figured out the Direct12 build thing. And then I did the lag testing and found that the input lag is very close to console. It's yeah. pretty much the same as console. So I was like, wow, this is a legitimate way to play this game. And so then I started to think, well, while I'm at it, I wonder... Because people were asking me about getting a the DLC to work, you know, Black Label stuff. Yeah. So I was looking into that, and I was looking into save states, and then I started thinking about, um, I bet there's a way to fix the counter stop. I was thinking the same way that you actually did it, of like, uh-huh. uh, zeroing out the score. Yeah. But what I didn't expect is that you used a legit 360 replay, right? Yeah. I did not think that was possible, so I was super impressed that that actually worked. I didn't really think it was going to be like that. I was just going with what everyone was telling me. You got to learn PowerPC. So I went, like, learn, learn PowerPC. I actually, like, hired a guy on one of those programmers for higher whips. Like, he was playing Teach Me PowerPC. If I couldn't get anyone to do it directly, I figured I was going to learn it myself. And uh, what drove me to Cheat Engine was, like, I'd open up the game and, like, these, these, uh, these, these IDEs. I was using IDA Pro. It had to, like, actually download a special version of IDA Pro like even uh look at the game's coding because like for some reason all the all the all the tools that were designed for this program like open up these 360 games they, they were not designed for the latest version of this software oh, i had to like download a an older version which was not even available on their website anymore so i had to like skits go to xenia discord and like ask somebody like uh get me get me this version like they pm me this link because like apparently the company like that was producing this software did not have it for for download, and uh, yeah, I looked at the at the game's coding in this IDE Pro, and uh, I had no idea what was going on. I just saw a bunch of random numbers, but uh, I, I did kind of like see where the text was stored, and uh, yeah, it, it seemed like it was going to be a lot more complicated. Like I thought that, that, that idea, that I was just going to go in there, edit some text that that went out the window pretty fast. So it's like I could like look in the coding and I like see how how these files were stored. So yeah, I hired this guy to like help me out, learn some PowerPC, and then I got in the cheat engine so I could kind of like see where all the memory was stored. It, it's an idea of how the game runs in real time. And yeah, it turned out that that, that wasn't really going to work because like the way the emulator work, does it, just like uh, translate the like, it doesn't just like have the uh, have have the exact same uh, instructions. As a as a free sixty console, it actually like translates them to a language that your PC can read. Right. So uh, yeah, you can't just like look in the cheat engine and look under the hood. That doesn't work. I was still able to like find the the scoring value, like I mentioned. And initially, my idea was I was just kind of like uh like disable this additional thing that goes into effect when you get when you reach the counter stop. Like the way it works is like there's this this score value that the game writes to as a score, and then like you hit the counter stop. And there's this other value that come, that goes into effect to like constantly subtract from the value, so it doesn't go beyond that counter stop value. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, get what I'm saying here? Yes. So, like, what I thought what I was going to do was like I was just to disable that value that was going to like stop the score from going up, but I found that 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 uh that crashed the game. You could not do that. <laughs> yeah. So that that was kind of how I found my way to this other. Yeah, I was really pleased with that. You know, it was a little bit disappointing. All that, all that power PC and 
and IDA knowledge that I had worked on wasn't really too much to use, but yeah, I got working. That's what matters. Definitely. And I think another really cool thing about that is that you can use it with legit 360 replays. I think that's huge because because let's say going forward beyond just yourself, let's say someone else, SMC, for example, wants to go for high scores beyond the counter stop in 1.5 or Japanese players, they could just get their scores, upload their run to the leaderboard, and then whoever you or whoever else, someone in the shmup community could then translate that to the correct, you know, non-counterstop scores using their replays. That's so, right. This is actually this is actually better, I think, than just like modding the game directly. Right, because exactly. You don't need to mod it here. It, this works totally for, with a regular unmodded copy. So there's that continuity there between like the, the regular players and, and the people who are modding. Like there is no mod. No one's using a mod here. All you're doing is just like using the, the same replay data like the game stores and, and you're, uh, you're you're extracting the scoring information from that replay data using an emulator. That's really all. Yeah, exactly. Because I remember I talked to SMC a little bit too and he was even, I think this was before you found the counterstop solution and he was talking about that there was technically a way where you could, it would be a pain in the ass, but you could like actually count the score, you know, manually. But I was yeah. like, oh, imagine someone actually doing that. That would be insane. So yeah. I think this is actually probably the best solution other than, you know, someone reporting the game and fixing it directly, you know, like a new new port or whatever. But with the port we have, I feel like this is probably the best solution because you can use legit replays to get the scores. Yeah, this is this is this is the next best thing to just having a Steam version. That's actually like working. That's yeah. exactly right. But like, like back to counter score directly, I, I think that was actually like what, what Chubo did. I, I don't know if you heard about him, but well, like when, when, I, when like we were working together on the game, his goal was $5 billion. And uh, yeah, the way he did it was he would just kind of like, like estimate the score. Right. In his replays. Yeah. That, I mean, probably back then that was his only option. But now... So yeah. I'm curious if... Uh, because I know the Japanese scene... They're going to pl- continue, a lot of them are going to continue to play on arcade, right? And so arcade's yeah. not going to be an option to do this. But I wonder if, do you, are you aware of any current Japanese Futari players who would be interested in playing on their 360 ports? And then they could continue playing that way. Yeah, well, well here's a fun fact. Like, after I got this, uh, this method discovered, I sent the video link to uh, Chubo. And Paquetti, you know, Paquetti was the guy who had the first counter stop on the 360 leaderboard. Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, they, they both saw it. It says that they saw it on, on Skype where I talked to Jubo and Twitter where I sent it to Paquetti, but they didn't respond to me. And uh, I think maybe Jubo actually disliked the video because there's, there, there's kind of some heat there. And, and I noticed, like, like after I, thought, I saw, found that he saw it, like, my video had one extra dislike. I think that might have been him. I, I don't want to let's say for sure, <laughs> but but yeah, these guys. I, think, I am sure about it. these guys do not really seem all that interested. They didn't even like talk to me about it. Oh, so, yeah. Is there anyone in the Japanese scene currently playing Futari? You know, one point five Ultra. Well, I get the impression that there's people playing it, but it's mostly for the clear. Okay, so there's no one like yourself who would be really interested in. Pushing beyond the counter stop, I guess. I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, the impression I got is like 
No one really like like takes scoring in it really seriously like me and Chubo used to. It's just kind of seen as a game that like you pick up and you beat it. And then you want to like beat it some more, you get the counter stop. <laughs> kind of like Wenge, I'm guessing. Yeah. Right now, there's this guy, Yuru, who's streaming. And uh, I, I told him about the method and he seemed pretty impressed by it. But uh, I asked him like, hey, do you think this, something like this might work with the main version? And he, he thought it would work, but... Uh, and he's playing on PCB, so I guess it don't really matter to him. Right. Yeah. That is interesting. For yourself, now that you've got this figured out, are you planning on playing 1.5 more Ultra? Yeah, like like back to you, like watching him like play Guange and constantly reset at that stage free boss milk. That, that's actually kind of inspiring to me. Because like a huge factor in like what made me want to stop playing 1.5 behind besides the whole or replays being in the uh the, the counter stop thing was just like the sheer frustration of doing it with that stage two balls. Right. I've talked to SMC a lot about it because uh, he did a shmup slam run. So he ended up, he sent me notes and pages and pages of notes on Futari and kind of schooled me in the game. So yeah, he was talking about all the RNG involved in the stage two and everything. And so I was like, wow. <laughs> Where it really gets real. It's kind of similar to the cat spider milk, really. It, it spawns some orbs, and you try to you try to kill those orbs to get some uh, some gems, and uh, then you got to just like do a, dodge a huge spam of a uh, of purple, and you got to keep keep that going for like uh, seven seven cycles. Right. Yeah, and it, it's really difficult to do that without like killing the boss because like you have to do a lot of this dodging just totally un, unfocused. Right. So that adds a lot to the difficulty there. I could imagine, especially on 360 pad. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking, jeez. Yeah, and, and I got the uh, I got it in a run like once after like 20 hours of play, and uh, that, that, I put that replay up on my YouTube channel, and uh, it, it's still the highest scoring replay that's out there for the first two stages of Futari Ultra 1.5. Wow, that's crazy. And yeah, I felt like I was I was a horrible player at the time. It took me that. long. Because, like, I remember Chubo, like, he never really had as nearly as much difficulty with the boss as I did. He was just like, okay, we got this, this new trick with the boss. Now, now let's get $5 billion. He got, like, a few weeks later. Wow. And he, yeah, he was an incredible player. That's crazy. I, I felt horrible that I wasn't at that level. But it is inspiring to me, like, being able to, like, watch other guys who, who are kind of at a similar skill level as me, like like Yuru. He, he's struggling with that stage-free boss in uh, Uwange and... That really does remind me of like the struggle I had with the Sage 2 boss in 1.5 Ultra. Makes me kind of like want to give another shot because I see him, he doesn't give up, just keeps going. Yeah, that's always really impressive to see people do that. Yeah.